comprehensive, relevant, and insightful conversations about health and medicine happen here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. By definition, a lung cancer screening is a test for cancer when there are no symptoms and there is no history of disease. We know that screenings lead to early detection, and early detection saves lives, yet in 2020, lung cancer caused more than 135,000 deaths and historically ranks as the nation's deadliest cancer. Last year, a panel of experts on the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force recommended changes to the screening guidelines that could have a profound impact on those statistics. Dr. Dwayne Monteith, Regional Director of Thoracic Surgery for MedStar Health in Baltimore, Maryland, is here to talk about those changes and lung screenings. I'm your host, Deborah Schindler. Dr. Monteith, thank you for being here and welcome to Doc Talk. Uh, thanks for having me. When did you know that you wanted to focus on the lungs when you were in training? Was there a pivotal moment or a particular case in your training that told you that this is really where I want to be? This is what I want to do. I was exposed uh, to thoracic surgery very early in my training and was in a time where uh, the specialty of cardiothoracic surgery was in a decline. Uh, the prevalence of your non-surgical procedures were showing that there were less thoracic surgeons that were needed and there was certainly a lot less enrollment uh, within the thoracic surgical uh, training programs. Um, so it was that time where, you know, I decided, well, let, you know, I always was interested in lung surgery. I, you know, I kind of decided, well, I'm going to look at other, other subspecialties. And, you know, I went through several and felt like it was the right fit. Just, so just kept coming back to lung cancers. Absolutely. Or yeah. other diseases too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just pretty much any surgery of the lung and, and also the chest, uh, including the esophagus, including chest wall and other other right. anything pretty much below the neck and above the diaphragm. Do you have a most memorable case? I wish I could say I do have yeah. one. I have a lot of memorable cases. Uh, you know, I think always the the more memorable cases are are the patients where uh, you did not suspect that there was going to be a lung cancer and it turns out it it was and you were able to do the curative treatment for it. The numbers sound so discouraging when it comes to lung cancer. Have you had any cases that surprised you where there was a successful result or that you didn't expect? Maybe? Yes. So there have been cases where we have had metastatic lung cancer, which generally for any cancer, especially for lung cancer, uh, surgery is generally off the table for metastasis. However, I've had patients where where they have had limited uh, metastases and if those metastases get treated, then there's a, a lot better outcome with doing the lung surgery. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple of patients in, in those scenarios where generally the, the numbers statistically said they had less than a 10% chance of being mm. alive in five years. And mm. these patients are alive, you know, going on seven, eight years now. Just to clarify, when you say metastases... Yeah, so metastasis means that the cancer has spread uh, from one organ, from the original organ to... Uh, other organs or outside of the primary area, meaning that side of the chest that it started on. Does it always start in the lung when it's a lung cancer or does it start somewhere else? So other cancers can metastasize to the lungs. Um, 
you know, some of the more common ones include colorectal cancer and uh, breast cancer. Uh, but as a primary, primary lung cancers always start in the lung or in the airways, and then they, they will tend to spread to other areas, most commonly the brain or mm. uh, the glands above our kidneys and sometimes the liver. Walk me through the lung screening process. Uh, what can I expect if I scheduled one? Sure. So you're, there's really two points into the lung screening process. Uh, the first is self-referrals, uh, meaning you looked at the guidelines, you said, I want to get screened, and then you you can you either call up your local uh, hospital or lung screening program and say, hey, I want to be screened. Uh, that's one way. And then the other point of entrance is uh, through your healthcare provider, whether it's your primary care physician, pulmonologist, sometimes other doctors. Um, I've seen gynecologists refer sometimes uh, their patients for lung cancer screening. So, you know, once that referral is in, then uh, there's a process called shared shared decision-making, which it's where a qualified healthcare professional discusses with you uh, whether, you know, the pros and cons of getting lung cancer screening. And that there's sometimes the possibility of a false positive or sometimes a false negative, and sometimes it can lead to unnecessary procedures. Mm. Um, but that once you have that shared decision-making process done, then the uh, low-dose uh, lung cancer screening CAT scan is ordered, and you go to, to wherever that may be, um, whether it's the local hospital or one of the many radiology centers in the area, and you get your CAT scan, and then the report generally is generated within about 48 hours, and that's sent back to the ordering provider, and at which point they would go over the results with you. Tell me how that works out when you go in for that CAT scan. You Yeah, it's a pretty pretty quick test. Um, it can take less than five minutes. Generally, you do have to put on a gown, and then you practically lie on the CAT scan table, and in a, in a minute or two, the scan is done, and you go home. Oh, it's that quick. Very quick. I hear some stories sometimes where people go in and get an x-ray of a chest, maybe for clavicle or cervical neck, and, and something is captured in the lung. Do you ever get cases like that? Or sometimes? Oh, we, we get many, unfortunately. which Totally you know, unintended. Unintended diagnosis. Yeah, so actually one of the memorable cases that I had was a nice lady who, with no history of uh, smoking, who uh, went to her doctor because she was having pelvic pain. They got her ultrasound of her pelvis and realized that she had abnormal abnormality on her ovary. At that point, they ended up getting a CAT scan of the abdomen, which somehow caught a part of the lower part of the lung where she was found to have a small nodule. Mm. And that nodule turned out to be cancer. So you just think the the process of how lucky she was to from that starting, you know, starting with the ultrasound of the pelvis that she was diagnosed with the lung cancer. Um, but, you know, a lot of the stars had to align for that to happen. But, right. you know, fortunately, in her case, it, it, it worked out. I can tell you there's a lot of patients that are getting uh, chest x-rays or CAT scans of the spine, CAT scans of the abdomen that are found to have nodules and they never get addressed. And because a lot of times uh, if you come into, you know, for instance, if you come into the ER with uh, shortness of breath, uh, they'll do a CAT scan to see if you have anything like a pulmonary embolus. And generally, if they don't see that, you get to go home right away. But then later, a day later, when the radiologist reads it, they'll they'll say that there's a nodule, but that report kind of goes into a black hole, especially if you don't have a primary care doctor. And unfortunately, right. a lot of people do not. <laughs> so Probably another contributing factor to the, the high numbers of lung cancer. Absolutely. What type of uh, lung cancers are detected by the scan? 
So all types, um, all types of lung cancer will show up on on the scans. Um, I mean, there are several types. The the most common being non-small cell lung cancer, which accounts for about eighty percent of the lung cancers that we see. And then uh, there are more atypical types, including small cell, which is, tends to be more aggressive. But the good news is, uh, lung cancer screening will catch all of those types. Non-small cell lung cancer that suggests that there is a large <laughs> cell yes, <so>. lung cancer. <laughs> Yeah, so within the category of non-small cell, there are actually three main subcategories. Generally, the two of them, um, adenocarcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma, are treated the same. The other type is large cell uh, carcinoma, which can be can tend to be more aggressive, and uh, generally the treatment tends to be more aggressive also. Meaning what? So Chemo? Uh, what, what's called multimodality uh, therapy, surgery, including chemotherapy and, and radiation. Is that before or after surgery? Is, is surgery a part of that process, actually? Yes. yes. So um, the particular sequence of uh, those treatment options depends on the stage of the cancer um, and the type. So okay. in certain situations, if it's uh, if it's a higher stage or more advanced stage lung cancer, generally um, there is a benefit to getting what's called neoadjuvant therapy, which includes chemotherapy and radiation prior to surgery, and then typically chemotherapy after surgery. But sometimes uh, chemotherapy is done also after um, surgery. All right, let's talk about the guidelines. With the new changes, the number of Americans eligible for lung cancer screening has increased by approximately 80%, according to the task force from 8 million to 14.5 million. That's very dramatic, it sounds like. Who can get the scan and contrast the former guidelines with what the new guidelines are? Sure. So I'll start with the current guidelines. You have to be fif- between 50 and 80 years old. Uh, you have to have a 20-pack year history of smoking. And pack year history is calculated by the amount of packs you smoke per day multiplied by the number of years that you smoked. So if you smoke two packs a day for 10 years, you would have a 20-pack year history. And then you have have to be a current smoker or have quit in the past 15 years. Now, to contrast that with the um, original guidelines, uh, the age range was 55 to 80, and you had to have a 30-pack year history, and uh, it was unchanged in regards to the smoking within the past 15 years. What was your reaction to hearing these changes? So I... I think it was great. Um, you know, we, when they first did the initial uh, lung cancer screening study, to, which actually validated the, uh, the benefit of lung cancer screening, they had to pick a number, you know, certain cutoffs. You know, they would have liked to have cast a larger net. However, they had to prove that lung cancer screening was going to be effective. And it, it certainly proved to be very effective in the narrow, uh, cate- narrow category that they had um, or narrow requirements that they had. And, um, you know, everyone, I think, sort of knew that eventually the data would show that expanding the the criteria would certainly catch more lung cancers. So the change happened about, what, a year ago? Yes. Are you seeing any positivity from that since anecdotally? Have you seen any cases that have maybe you wouldn't have seen if the changes didn't happen? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen, you know, myself and my colleagues have seen, you know, lung cancers now being detected in and people 50 to 54, that would not have been eligible for screening a year prior. And in that situation, you know, especially if they were, if they were recently caught, by the time they got to the 55, the lung cancer would have probably metastasized and probably been very um, advanced stage and, you know, with very limited treatment options. 
Are those changes enough, though? Because recently at the IASLC World Conference on Lung Cancer in Vienna, Austria, research was presented that showed more older patients are being diagnosed with early-stage lung cancer, but younger patients who are ineligible for the screening are too often diagnosed in the late stages. Are there more changes to come to address those disparities? Yes. Uh, as we speak, there are multiple studies um, in the United States and in other countries that are trying to show the benefit of doing lung cancer screening in, even in the younger age groups, 45 and up, 40 and up. And, you know, hopefully once those studies are done, um, the data will support the benefit of screening in those age groups. And uh, we'll certainly see a, a larger um, catchment of younger patients getting screened. What's considered a young age for lung cancer? I've seen as young as 25. Uh, Generally, those are going to tend to be patients that are never smokers, meaning that they've never touched a cigarette in their life. And sometimes it's a genetic predisposition or sometimes it's just luck of the draw. Is there a hereditary factor involved with lung cancer? There has not been any proof that there is a hereditary factor. However, Uh, Patients that have a significant cancer history or multicast cancer history in their family uh, tend to be at a higher risk for developing lung cancers. Well, to your point about these young patients coming in with lung cancer who haven't smoked, the CDC says about 10 to 20 percent of lung cancers in the United States are diagnosed in people who have never smoked or smoked very little. How do we even address that? Yeah, unfortunately, the current screening guidelines do not would not apply to those patients. And generally those patients are getting diagnosed again at a later stage just because no one expects them to have lung cancer. And a lot of times the, sim- the symptoms get ignored or, you know, or, or get dismissed. What has been your experience with lung cancer patients who aren't smokers? And when is it recommended that they get screened? So currently there are no screening guidelines for non-smokers, unfortunately. And, you know, I, I think it's going to take quite a while for any screening guidelines to to be approved for non uh, non smokers? There is on the horizon, though. There are uh, blood tests that are in the works that you know may be effective in diagnosing multiple lung multiple cancers, including lung cancer. So you know, I think that is you know something that hopefully that we can look forward to. Wow, that's are, is that available now? Uh, they're still in clinical trials. Okay, yeah. is that a part of the moonshot program? I think probably related to funding from it. You know, the last report of one blood test—I don't know the specifics of it—but they said it could diagnose approximately twenty different types of cancer. That's extraordinary. Yeah. I hope we get there in my lifetime. Since we know that lung scans can detect cancer early, why not just administer them during routine physicals, say at the age of thirty-five? So that's the dilemma with lung cancer screening and any any type of cancer screening. You have to, we would love to be able to scan everyone. Unfortunately, there's a point of diminishing returns, meaning that the amount of people you're going to catch at age 35 with lung cancer is going to be a lot less than at age 50 or age 60, uh, typically where when cancers tend to develop. I think as the data, data evolves, we may start to low, you know, significantly lower the age. And we've seen that with colonoscopies um, in terms of screening for colorectal cancer. Um, the, you know, the age, age com- continues to go down um, because they've been, been able to show a benefit uh, for screening in those age groups. Do you ever feel that uh, lung cancer just doesn't get the attention that it needs, either for government attention, for policy, for um, 
the funding as some other cancers like breast cancer, for example? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Lung cancer, um, from the last data I saw, receives only a quarter of funding uh, compared to breast cancer. And even though lung cancer accounts for more deaths in the United States annually than breast cancer, prostate cancer, and colorectal cancer combined. You know, I think a big part of the problem is that that stigma that goes along with lung cancer, that it's a smoker's disease that... Self-induced. Exactly. That, you know, if, you know, you would not, would not have gotten it if you, if you didn't smoke and, you know, it's kind of your fault. And I think that stigma is, is very damaging. It's unfortunate. And I think a lot of efforts in uh, Lung Cancer Awareness Month, which is in November, are geared towards increasing awareness that it's not just, you know, smokers. And even so, we would never tell someone that, you know, has a has a bad heart attack that, oh, well, you shouldn't have eaten so many hamburgers in your life. You know, it's the same deal for lung cancer. You can't tell someone, oh, well, you shouldn't have smoked. I mean, a lot of patients who started smoking started smoking before the dangers of tobacco was known. It does surprise me to see how many young people are smoking now. Yeah, it's, you know, with High the... High school, college. Yeah, that's... that's, that's I've heard from teachers in middle school that their their students are vaping. And, you know, I think vaping is probably going to turn out in the long term worse than tobacco smoke because there are a lot of um, metals, toxic metals and other other unknown substances in vaping, including the flavorants that we have no idea what effects they have on the lung. I was just going to ask, do we have any way of knowing if... A cancer is related to vaping. How would they know? Yeah. We will know probably in about 10 or 20 years right. and because that's typically the, the, the time span for cancers to develop. And, you know, unfortunately, it's going to be too late at that point for a lot of people. If a scan does reveal something, what's next? If, uh, if I came in and, and I got a scan and, and you said you saw a spot, I mean, what do you see when the scan actually is it a spot? Yeah, so that does actually appear as a spot. Uh, it's typically a round or, or oblong area in the lung that does not look like the typical uh, lung tissue. And there are a lot of reasons we can see these spots on our lung. The overwhelming majority of spots seen on the lung on CAT scans are benign, meaning non-cancerous. However, if you're in that high-risk category and you meet guidelines for lung cancer screening, there is a greater chance that these, these spots on the lung or nodules uh, can be malignant. So if someone hasn't been a smoker, but you find a spot on their lung, you might just decide to watch it, scan again later in a year or whatever to see if it grows. Is is that the how yes. you would proceed? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, we have... Uh in a lot of areas, including at MedStar, we have what's called lung, a lung nodule center where we have a multidisciplinary team of doctors, including uh, lung surgeons like myself, uh, pulmonologists, uh, medical oncologists, who are the, the doctors that give chemotherapy and radiation oncologists who are the doctors that give radiation, including radiologists over these scans and kind of determine what is the next step, whether it is appropriate to monitor it over the next three months, six months, 12 months, or whether there's some kind of an intervention needed, typically a biopsy. It's a great opportunity to get a bunch of doctors and get a bunch of opinions together at one time and figure out what's the best way to move forward uh, for the patient. Any advice for listeners when it comes to lung scans or lung cancer treatment? So in regards to the lung cancer screening, um, certainly talk to your doctor to see if you are eligible. And if your doctor doesn't know, uh, you can always call one of our cancer uh, screening specialists. Um, We have them at Franklin Square and at several other sites in the MedStar system. We can discuss whether you meet the criteria or the eligibility for screening. In in regards to lung cancer surgery, uh, lung cancer surgery is 
you know, generally reserved for the earlier stages of lung cancer. However, you know, as I kind of mentioned earlier, there are increasing roles to have lung cancer surgery done for more advanced stages of cancer. And when you do a surgery, what are you taking out a piece of the lung or just the nodule? So generally, if we know it's a cancer, the gold standard treatment is taking out um, the lobe of the lung. However, there's recent data to show that doing smaller resections, meaning taking out segments of the lung, can be can be as good in terms of earlier stage lung cancers. But again, it's a case by case basis. You know, that's something that a discussion you would have to have with your your surgeon. When a patient comes to see you, are they usually coming in because they suspect? Something? something or because they already have a diagnosis? Generally, when a patient sees me, it's they probably have a, a nodule seen on a CAT scan and okay. it probably appears abnormal, but uh, typically the diagnosis is one of the last things that's made in the in the management of these nodules because, you know, biopsies can sometimes prove difficult in these smaller, in these smaller lung nodules and sometimes the only way to figure out what it is is by taking it out. So one more time, tell me what the guidelines are so that we know who is eligible to have a lung cancer screening. Sure. So guidelines are you have to be between the ages of 50 and 80. You have to have it smoked at least a 20-pack year history. Again, pack year history equals the number of packs you've smoked on a daily basis multiplied by the number of years that you've smoked. And then the um, you have to be a current smoker or quit smoking in the past 15 years. Excellent. We've been talking with Dr. Dwayne Monteith at MedStar Franklin Square Medical Center in Baltimore. Dr. Monteith, thank you for sharing your expertise here on MedStarHealth.com. For more information about lung cancer or lung cancer screenings or to schedule an appointment, call 443-777-1133.